take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokens And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, January 19, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Glad you could make it We are going to bring you a bombshell of a show today. Hope you enjoyed your day off if you had one yesterday for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. For those of you who are wondering, where the hell was I? Well, I don't do shows on federal holidays, except for genocidal, raping, torturing Italian murderer day, otherwise known as Columbus Day. Uh, I usually swap that one out for my birthday, which is... January 31st, in case you're thinking of getting me something, you can always make a donation through PayPal at Russ at RadicalRuss.com. But uh, January 31st is a Sunday this year, so uh, no need to take that day off either. Coming up on today's show, we've got a shocking revelation going on in the state of Arizona, where lawmakers there are trying to subvert the will of the people regarding their citizen initiative for legalized medical marijuana by banning certain classes of citizens from being able to use medical marijuana. They've already struck down college kids. Now they're going after pregnant women. We've got Tom Dean, an attorney in Arizona, who'll be speaking to us, as well as Michael Weiser, who's an activist down there, who'll be giving us all the information we need for our Arizona listeners to fight back against these restrictions, not only restrictions on women using medical marijuana, but an assault on the initiative process itself. Uh, you know, what good is a statewide initiative if it's not going to apply to everyone statewide? So we'll be talking about that coming up in our activist agenda at half past. Also on the show today, we have got time for a radical rant. How true legalization squanders actual legalization. I've got an open letter for the stoners against legalization all across this country on why they make me so angry. Also coming up on the show today, in drug war data mining, we've got another great study that has come out recently, a study of twins and their IQ levels when one twin smokes pot and the other one doesn't. Guess what they found out? You probably don't even need to wait for the segment, but uh, we'll talk all about that in the drug war data mines. That comes right after Behind the Headlines, and in our cannabis focus today, we're taking a look at a friend of mine. Uh, Bay State repeal activist and Mass Can Normal board member Bill Downing, who is uh, being subject to uh, police attention. Uh, he's been raided and arrested, I think arrested, on uh, charges that he has been distributing cannabinoid medicines to people in the form of edibles and such when uh, it was illegal for him to do so. We'll talk a little bit about that 
right after our cannabis radio news, which comes right after this first break. And in the headlines today, we're going to take a look at the state of Ohio, where, uh-oh, looks like they're not going to have legalization to vote on in 2016. Gosh, who could have predicted that? Also, a look across the pond into Germany, where they're looking at legalizing the medicinal use of cannabis or actually providing more access to it. In Seattle, we're going to take a look at dispensary owners who are shocked at a 14-day notice they have just received when they thought they'd have till all summer to get themselves aligned with I-502. We take a look at my home state of Idaho, where I'll be visiting next week. I'm participating in a town hall forum on marijuana legalization. Back in Idaho, four kids are on CBD oil, or Epidiolex, I guess. We'll talk about that. Also, we've got a look at the state of Georgia, where, believe it or not, there are six different bills that are at the legislature regarding marijuana reform. Plus, we got plenty more stories and my Martin Luther King essay coming up in Hour 2, plus your phone calls at 971-533-7111. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, January 19th, 2016. Cannabis Wire reports that the leader of the failed Responsible Ohio legalization campaign has reneged on a promise to return for a free market legalization campaign in 2016. According to Cleveland.com, one leader of the unsuccessful effort to legalize cannabis in Ohio in 2015 said that Responsible Ohio was, quote, dead, end quote. 
Instead, Jimmy Gould and Chris Stock of the Responsible Ohio campaign will be part of a legislator-led task force in the state that is exploring a medical cannabis bill. Last November, following Issue 3's landslide loss, James wrote for the Cincinnati Inquirer that voters, quote, have made clear that we made two big mistakes by self-selecting limited growth site opportunities and making Buddy the face of the campaign, end quote. He had promised to return with a better initiative in 2016, one that allows for a, quote, free market, end quote, a point he repeated four times. German lawmakers have submitted a draft bill legalizing the medicinal use of cannabis for review by the European Union. The draft bill would allow pharmacies to distribute to chronically ill patients cannabis flowers and pharmaceutical-grade extracts. Last October, 527 patients suffering from at least 60 different diseases, including chronic pain, inflammatory diseases, psychiatric conditions, neurological diseases, appetite loss, and nausea, have been legally authorized to obtain cannabis at their own expense. Under the new bill, more patients would be given regulated access to the drug on prescription and paid for by their health insurance. The German Federal Institute for Drugs and Medical Devices will not only supervise the production and distribution of cannabis products and set the maximum amount to be prescribed at 100 grams per month, but also set the maximum price for cannabis in pharmacies. Seattle medical marijuana dispensary owner Jeremy Kaufman is making a lot of changes to his building, adding new security cameras, constructing new walls, removing doorways, and clearing out his basement filled with cannabis plants. It's all part of applying for a new marijuana retail license required by legislation that's combining medical and recreational pot under one regulatory system. The original deadline gave shop owners until this summer to comply with license application requirements. Kaufman and other Seattle dispensaries got a notice from the Liquor and Cannabis Board last week. It says there are too many applicants in Seattle and not enough available licenses, and it gives shop owners like Kaufman 14 days to choose an address outside of Seattle or sign a form acknowledging the risk of remaining in Seattle and losing their business. Four Idaho children are receiving treatment for severe forms of epilepsy with an experimental non-psychoactive drug derived from marijuana plants, state officials announced on Monday. Elkie Shaw Tullock of the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare told state budget writers that Idaho has filled four of the 25 slots in the newly created Expanded Access Program, which Governor Butch Otter established last year through executive order. It treats children suffering from severe epileptic seizures with the new drug known as Epidiolex. The program officially launched earlier this month. Shaw Tullock said another 18 children are scheduled to be screened for the program, and if more families are interested in participating, the department will consult with the federal Food and Drug Administration, and the pharmaceutical company that manufactures the drug, GW Pharmaceuticals. Lawmakers approved legalizing oil derived from marijuana plants last year. However, Otter vetoed the legislation after citing concerns that there wasn't enough evidence supporting the claims. There's a bill in the Georgia legislature to allow marijuana cultivation for medical cannabis oils. It's one of six marijuana-related bills at the Capitol this winter. The odds are very long for a measure that would legalize recreational marijuana. Another bill would make marijuana possession a misdemeanor. Another would legalize cultivation of industrial hemp. Another bill would legalize the medical use of smokable marijuana. And another would legalize and regulate cultivation of medical cannabis. That last bill has 108 co-sponsors and is the follow-up to last year's medical marijuana bill. Representative Alan Peake, the Republican of Macon and sponsor of last year's medical marijuana bill and this year's follow-up said, quote, we don't want to allow smoking of marijuana. We want to provide access to medicine, end quote. Peek thinks lawmakers will be able to distinguish the intent of his bill from that of the other marijuana bills and said he doesn't intend to support any of the other marijuana bills. 
This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, January 19th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at the state of Massachusetts, the city of Boston, and a friend of mine named Bill Downing. He's one of the state's most vocal marijuana legalization supporters, and now Boston police are seeking criminal charges against him. Their complaint is that he was distributing a Class C substance, namely the THC products, the edibles and candies and such, that Downing admitted he sold, as well as distribution of marijuana. Downing's attorney, John Swamley, said he'll contest the hearing or contest the charges at the hearing. Uh, The authorities allege that Downing is using medical marijuana laws to conceal his illegal activities of distribution of marijuana and its extracted byproducts, according to a search warrant. Swamley, the attorney, says, quote, this is pushback against the marijuana legalization movement. They're trying to silence the most vocal supporter of the legalization of marijuana, end quote. Uh, this, of course, is a big deal in Massachusetts right now because there is a push to get legalization on the ballot through the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol or CRIMLA. Downing 
was the treasurer of a competing ballot initiative known as Bay State Repeal, which has just now or just recently, past couple of months, uh, dropped out of the race. So there is only the MPP initiative, Kremla, left. Downing has said, you know, that he's practical and he he will support the MPP initiative, unlike Steve Epstein, who has decided he is going to fight against it. But uh, this is, uh, again, an, a broadside against the legalization uh, movement. They are claiming that uh, Downing's former store, Yankee Caregivers, uh, was in violation of the medical marijuana law because he could only serve as a caregiver to one patient uh, under the medical marijuana law on in 2012. Uh, the complaint alleges he continued to distribute marijuana when he knew it was a violation of state regulations. He went on to open up another store after that CBD, please Alston in 2014. This one, he was selling non-psychoactive cannabis products, uh, THC sprays, salves, capsules, hair care, hemp oil items. Uh, he says, quote, in 2014, he told CBS Boston, quote, I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm doing it for the patients here in the state. And I really don't care about the bureaucracies trying to stop me because they're immoral and the public does not support them. End quote. Of course, the Boston police tried to intimidate Bill Downing by showing up with the SWAT team and the full gear and the automatic weapons and uh, threatening, you know, Bill and scaring the hell out of his wife and children. And I know Bill Downing personally, and I can tell you that was completely unnecessary. Uh, the show of force, the shock and awe is all a psychological terror tactic. Bill Downing is not the kind of person who has, has the record or the history uh, or background that would lead anyone to believe he's got a propensity for violence against the police. Now, the intention, uh, I, I don't know a ton of the details of Bill Downing's business works or, or what's going on there, but I can tell you that I know from Bill Downing's activism and his concern and care that he is not one of these marijuana grifters, one of these guys trying to pull one over or trying to, uh, you know, personally enrich himself in any sort of extravagant way through dealing with patients. He's one of the dedicated activists, one of the true blue altruistic caregivers out there who is just trying to help people. And if they are going to continue to prosecute him over this, it just further shows how much of a political witch hunt this is. They went there uh, to uh, to his house, the SWAT raid, had a search warrant, and they seized a whole bunch of stuff from him in addition to hemp oil and body wash and conditioner and hemp oil balm. They also seized $126,708 in cash. And of course, they want that as an asset forfeiture. So, folks, it's not just the cops going after a well-known activist to try to take him down. It has to do also with taking away the funding of the legalization movement and trying to bankrupt the activists behind it. And if you don't believe that, all you need to do is look at the case of Mark Emery. And when he was uh, indicted for his five-year prison term, Karen Tandy, the deputy or was she deputy? I can't remember. One of the DEA administrators or prosecutors, whoever she was at the time, said that. This is one last pot of money for the marijuana legalization movement. And when this guy was the treasurer of one initiative and is on the board of Mass Can Normal, 
the leading legalization group in the state, you can't help but look at this as being some sort of political witch hunt. This is why we need to support marijuana legalization anytime, any place, any chance we get to put it on the ballot and win. People's lives are in the balance. People's freedom, their property, their liberty are all in the balance. There's no reason that Bill Downing should be subject to the criminal justice system and all the headaches and harassment that come from it. And blue blushing gurgen, blushing schnurb norbin. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not constrained by the FCC. I could actually say what I'm thinking about this case. I am sick and tired of seeing my friends suffer and get persecuted for doing the right thing. Happy 420 Mountain Time Zone. We're back with some drug war data mining and some good news right after this. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay, maybe you're high too. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. (laughs) Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Really excited to bring this latest study to you. This is uh, published yesterday in Science Magazine. The headline, Twins Study Finds No Evidence That Marijuana Lowers IQ in Teens. You know, we've heard this uh, 
month after month, week after week, day after day from the prohibitionists out there. Kevin Sabet from Project Sam disseminating this to Scott Gagnon and Randy Philbrick and, and, uh, oh, what's that kid's name? Ben Co, what was the guy's name that I debated back in, uh, Texas? Court, Ben Court. Yes. Uh, all of these prohibitionists out there. Since 2012, have been repeating the long debunked study out of Wales or out of uh, New Zealand that said smoking pot as an adolescent was going to lower your IQ by six points. How many times you heard that repeated? Just too many to count. Well, scientists have finally analyzed long-term marijuana uses use in teens, comparing IQ changes in twin siblings who either used or abstained from marijuana. For 10 years, after taking environmental factors into account, the scientists found no measurable link between marijuana use and lower IQ. None. Zero. Valerie Curran, a psychopharmacologist at the University College of London, uh, said, quote, this is a very well conducted study and a welcome addition to the literature End quote. She and her colleagues reached broadly the same conclusions in a separate non-twin study of more than 2,000 British teenagers published earlier this month in the Journal of Psychopharmacology. George Patton, uh, a psychiatric epidemiologist at the University of Melbourne in Australia, says that it doesn't prove that marijuana, particularly heavy chronic use, is safe for teenagers. All it's saying is that the whole myth of it dropping your IQ is completely unfounded. So uh, they also respond back to the original paper, that uh, Dunedin, New Zealand paper, about the significant declines in IQ. Uh, But the critics pointed out that the study failed to rule out other potential explanations for the decline in IQ, such as a teen's family environment or whether or not they had dropped out of school. So it's important here in understanding that uh, these IQ studies were severely flawed from the beginning. So testing twins, and in this case, identical twins, uh, they had 789 pairs of them, adolescent twins from two studies, one in LA, one from Minnesota, and they all enrolled between the ages of nine and 11. So before we could expect them to have started smoking pot. Over the course of 10 years, they administered five intelligence tests and confidential surveys about marijuana use, also asked about opioid painkillers, cocaine, and binge drinking. Now, marijuana users lost about four IQ points over the course of the study, but their abstinent twin siblings showed a similar pattern of decline. Of course, suggesting that the loss of IQ was due to something other than pot. The uh, researcher uh, says, quote, Our findings lead us to believe that this something else is related to something about the shared environment of the twins, which would include home, school, and peers, end quote. In the new study, teens who reported daily marijuana use for six months or longer, daily use for a half a year or longer, did not show any difference in how much their IQ changed compared with teens who had tried pot fewer than 30 times. Claire Mockritz, a PhD student in Curran's lab, says, quote, this is a clear indication that cannabis is unlikely to be the cause of any IQ decline, end quote. Now, there are people that are criticizing the test, uh, saying that this doesn't go far enough in determining whether or not this is true. 
But we are finding through test after test after test that we do not have any declines in cognition, in IQ, in long-term memory. Not when you're high. Obviously, there's memory problems when you're high. But when you're not high, any problems in memory that we do not find explained by their use of alcohol, tobacco, or their environmental or socioeconomic factors. The situation is this. Kids who might be in decline, kids that might be having problems at home, you know, divorce, trauma, kids that are getting involved in alcohol or drugs, kids that have issues of their own that prevent them from socializing properly, kids that aren't getting involved in extracurricular activities, kids that are having problems educationally and not getting the best grades, sometimes turn to pot. It's not that the pot brought them to that place. It's that they were in that place and to alleviate some of the pain, some of the psychic pain they're feeling, some of them turn to pot. So pot is not so much a predictor of these things, but more a symptom of them. That if we alleviated the poverty and the stress and the other negative influences in these kids' lives, there might be the opportunity to reduce how much cannabis they would use. But no, what do we do when we catch a kid with pot? We suspend them from the team. We suspend them from school. We try to remove them from all of the good influences around them that would lead them away from marijuana. We brand them some sort of criminal and loser. And then what do you expect? They go, well, damn, you know, if I'm a, if I'm just nothing but a no good criminal druggy pothead teenager, I guess, guess I ought to get high. We got to rethink how we're dealing with teenagers and their marijuana use. And I think the first step is legalizing it so that marijuana becomes boring as mom's glass of Chardonnay. Speaking of moms, stick around. We've got a blockbuster interview coming up next. Tom Dean and Michael Weiser talking about a law to ban medical marijuana for pregnant women in the state of Arizona. Can you believe that? We got that coming up next in our activist agenda. You're listening to the Russ Bellwell Show. I'm Radical Russ, live in Portland, Oregon. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And if standing for the Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud wacko bird. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. 
To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORML. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Today in our activist agenda, we're taking a chance to talk about the state of Arizona, where they've had medical marijuana since 2010, but it's been a very contentious law. And now there is a new development that threatens the medical marijuana rights of women. Joining us to talk about it, we've got Tom Dean on the line. Tom, tell folks uh, who you are, what you're representing, and about this terrible bill. Sure. I'm a, I'm an attorney here in, in Arizona. Um, most people in the medical marijuana industry uh, know who I am. I handle a lot of uh, cases. Um, and I am, uh, it's really quite astonishing that we have uh, a number of bills. This is probably the, the one of the most, uh, I think, uh, to be concerned about. The, uh, the use of cannabis, of course, uh, as I'm sure uh, other of your guests will talk about, uh, by pregnant women in particular, is a practice that dates back uh, even thousands of years and then also right up uh, to, to the present time. There's a lot of studies that have been done on that, and there's really no medical evidence that there's any risk to uh, uh, the, the, the unborn child as a result of the mother's use of cannabis. The studies bear that out. Uh, we are right now in front of the Arizona Court of Appeals on another measure that they passed where they recriminalize medical marijuana on college campuses. Our argument there, it violates the Arizona Voter Protection Act. Um, that Voter Protection Act requires two things. Number one, that all, it's all, all legislation that in any way modifies a people's past initiative, a voter past initiative, must pass two, two uh, uh, tests. One, it has to pass by a supermajority of three-quarters of both houses of the state legislature. And then two, and just as important, uh, it must further the purpose of the initiative that it modifies. And so one would have to ask, uh, uh, in the case of pregnant women, um, if the purpose of the Medical Marijuana Act, very clearly set forth in Section 2G of the uh, initiative, is to protect patients from criminal and other penalties, to protect qualifying individuals from criminal and other penalties, how does then recriminalizing the possession of it by a large class of people, that is pregnant women, how does that protect those women from uh, criminal uh, penalty and prosecution? It, obviously, it does not. It does just the opposite. It subjects them. So, uh, uh, Tom, just so everyone's clear on this, the Arizona legislature is proposing a bill that would criminalize pregnant women from engaging in the medical marijuana program, whether they have a card or not. 
And what is this bill number and who do people need to contact to fight this? Well, uh, you know, I'll leave that to talk from the normal legal director. I believe you're going to be talking to him next, or, yes. or he might have already spoke. I'm not sure. Mike Weiser, he's got all that, okay. uh, those details about when the hearing is, uh, what it's supposed to be today, and they uh, have uh, postponed it. So um, I know that several people are interested in attending that hearing. I think he may he may or may not have the new date. I'm not sure. Okay. But uh, this is something that uh, is, is to be of a, a concern for not just people in the medical marijuana industry, but understand this. If the legislature can get away with modifying this voter passed initiative, then make no mistake, this will be a green light to them to feel perfectly justified in going in and engaging in legislative tampering with all people's voter passed yes, initiatives. Yes. Yeah. So this isn't really... It's, it's, it's about medical marijuana and access to medicine and discrimination against pregnant women in particular. But in general, it's a direct assault against the uh, voting, the, the power that the state constitution gives to the voters to enact their own laws. Yes, yes. We have a similar situation in Oregon where our legislature changed our voter enacted uh, legalization to give uh, Eastern counties an easier way to opt out. And I made the same point is this isn't I mean, yeah, it's about marijuana. But if you're going to have a statewide citizen initiative, those votes ought to mean something. And unfortunately, in Oregon, we don't have that Voter Protection Act like you guys have. And uh, right. And uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, you know, it's interesting that our Voter Protection Act was passed in 1998 in direct response to the to the government's uh, the Arizona government's uh, refusal to enact our first medical marijuana mm -hmm. act, which passed about an hour before California's did in 1996. Hmm. So that Voter Protection Act was actually specifically enacted to, pro to in, in, as a reaction to. Uh, the let the government's refusal to honor the will of the voters in connection with our first medical marijuana act. So it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, especially poignant in a medical marijuana type of a, of a case like this. Yeah, very, very well put there. And just one final question for you, Tom. Uh, what is the criminal penalty in Arizona for pregnant women who drink a beer or smoke a cigarette? So, uh, uh, well, uh, it's a it, 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 look, there's, it's possible that if you had uh, uh, an alcoholic woman who was uh, you know, really abusing alcohol, um, you know, she can be charged with child endangerment, it, you know, because uh, this could, we do have a lot of science showing that alcohol abuse on the part of mothers, um, it, it causes fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah, I guess the point I'm getting at, though, is um, even under the current law, a pregnant woman who, who a cop catches with a can of beer or a cigarette, absent any other evidence she's abusing her child, she's not going to get slapped, right. cuffs, cuffs slapped on her. Uh, absolutely. She's not. There's not going to be any penalties. You know, as I said, unless they can show, uh, uh, you know, an abuse of that substance to the point where it might impact the health of the fetus, yes. but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, a glass of wine or something, you know, it's just, I know that maybe some people have personal feelings about whether that's good or not good or what you should do or avoid, but, uh, yeah, they're not going to be subject to any criminal penalties for an occasional you know, cigarette or glass of wine or anything like that at all. Attorney Tom Dean, thank you for keeping us posted on this issue. And we're going to turn to, uh, Michael Weiser here to, tell us how we can fight back against this, but uh, thank you so much for calling in. 
I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We got Michael Weiser on the line. Michael, thank you for joining us, by the way. Hey, Ron. Oh, I'm very glad to be here. Now, you are the legal director for Normal Arizona. Is that correct? Well, actually, Tom is the legal director. I'm getting an echo here. Oh, so sorry about Uh, that. (laughs) There we go. Tom is the legal director. I'm the state director. He is uh, the guy that we run... um, you know, legal issues through just to get a, a clarification on them. I uh, am more like the, the cheerleader organizer, the guy that goes around the state making sure that um, people know what's going on uh, in the legalization movement. And this season is, uh, you know, the opening couple of weeks of the state legislatures around the country. So normals around the country are, are you know, at the state capitol trying to keep track of what's going on. Um, yeah, this we is a, have been uh, pushing to get pushing against the uh, bill here. It's uh, House Bill two zero six one. It's a pregnancy exclusion bill, as Tom referenced. Uh, something that we're noting in our testimony. We've already uh, they had a hearing today, and uh, the um, I had arranged for people to attend from around the state. We printed up a lot of educational materials for the the health committee and for the legislative membership as a whole. We provided that material. Uh, they pulled a discussion of the bill today. So I don't know if it's us or whatever, but the sponsor asked to have the bill pulled from uh, public discussion. I just mm-hmm. checked the uh, calendar before I got on the phone and it has not been rescheduled. It's the only one of the four bad bills that are being filed by the Arizona legislature that had even had a committee assignment. So Hmm. things are looking good so far, but you know, we've got months to go until this is over. So is there any indication that this will ever get scheduled for public discussion or is this the kind of thing they're just going to keep, you know, hidden? Well, uh, a couple of things that are likely to happen. Um, They're going to, I I believe that we, with the help of, uh, you know, the national normal and our, uh, website, we were able to do a sufficient pushback to where the sponsor, Kelly Townsend from Legislative District 16 here in Arizona, um, held the bill for reconsideration, maybe some some touch-up, and she's going to try to speak about it at another uh, committee hearing. That'll have to be scheduled, so you know, I'm encouraging people around the country that like to uh, watch state house skullduggery to watch Arizona and see if that bill gets scheduled. You know, we'll push back. I had, uh, expert witnesses coming from across the state to testify and and actually had to call one of them when she was 50 miles on her way. Arizona is a big state. So it takes a while to get across. Hmm. This is a remarkable. They would be trying to do this. We also heard of, uh, trying to take this, uh, medical marijuana away from college students. Do you have any info on that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, after the uh, AMMA was passed in 2010, the um, Department of Health, uh, at the state legislature's request, added uh, provisions that um, doubled the penalties for having marijuana on uh, campuses, including college campuses. So it basically felonized having uh, marijuana, and you know even more so, uh, the state. Uh, Arizona state college standards uh, will expel anybody that gets caught with marijuana on campus. This is the gray area that hadn't been uh, knocked down through 
through the courts yet over what about a medical patient. And Tom himself is one of the people who is fighting. Uh, he is the, the lawyer uh, on that case. So he's, he's got it all the way up to the appellate court now, trying to uh, protect the rights of a college student patient to have his medication on campus. When he was uh, arrested, they scraped up all the, the empty baggies and stuff off the floor, and they came up with 0.6 of a gram. <laughs> Point, 0.6 of a gram, or as I like to call it, out right. of marijuana. <laughs> right, that's what I would call out of marijuana. Yeah, I want to draw attention. Uh, so I was at the state legislature today. I uh, sat in the health committee hearing where they did not discuss this bill as had been on the schedule. We provided uh, the um, health committee with an uh, article on endocannabinoid receptor system, on Melanie Dreyer's uh, study, mm-hmm. which is like gospel in this uh, field, uh, local organization Mom Forces Understanding Cannabis Pamphlet, which explains the history of prohibition and the health benefits of cannabis, the terpene card, and those kinds of things. But uh, we are definitely looking to see if we can get more people to weigh in uh, through the state legislature, email, phone call, keep the pressure on. There's really, if it doesn't get a hearing within about a month, it won't get a hearing until, this is funny the way they do this, at the end of the legislative session, there's the striker uh, period. Do, do you know what I'm talking about, Russ? No idea. Okay. Well, bills queue up according to their bill number in, in sequence, and only so many bills have time to get heard. There's about 2,500 that will go through an average state legislature and be filed, but who has time for all of that? They, some get heard, some don't. Well, if you have a particularly odious bill that you want to get a chance, but you don't want to have people pay attention to it until the last moment, at the end of the legislature, you take one of the innocuous bills that was in line, you say, I strike all of that language, and I paste in this piece of legislation instead. Is hmm. that clever or what? And it does it even have to be something that's the same as what you're striking, or could it be a completely different topic? Completely different topic, though it has to be able to run through the same committee. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we, we're just about out of time here. Mike, could you give us a, a website where our listeners could uh, get some more information and help you out? I would love to do that. So we're the uh, state uh, chapter Normal for Arizona. So it's normalinarizona.org. But it's also arizonanormal.org. We have two URLs because lots of people need to be kept up during the season. Uh, We have a report on all four of the bat bills uh, that are at the state house right now. That's our lead story. And we'll be having a report on three good bills that are coming out, including two tax regulate bills uh, by the end of this week. All right, Michael Weiser and Tom Dean, thank both of you for uh, being on the show today and cluing us in on these uh, terrible bills in Arizona. Everybody get involved. Go to normalinarizona.org or the other site and help them out as much as you can. Thanks a lot, Mike. We'll talk to you again sometime. Thank you, Rob. All right, stay tuned, folks. When we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant on how true legalization squanders actual legalization. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. This rant goes out to all the true legalizers. All across the Internet, I often find myself in comments battles with you. We're not so different, you and I. I smoke pot every day and want to see it legalized across the country. I have friends with medical needs that would be alleviated by cannabis. I have other friends who've been busted and served time for marijuana law violations. We have a lot lot in common. Where we butt heads is over how we get legalization nationwide. I'm of the opinion that winning the war on drugs will take many battles where we take whatever ground we can take, defend it, and move on to take more ground. I believe that the war requires both generals and privates and a whole lot of funding. You, on the other hand, are a true legalizer. You seem to think the war on drugs can be ended in one fell swoop with nothing but an unfunded volunteer militia. Then, you set your militia up to fight the professional army on your side rather than the enemy's army that still wants to imprison you. Your efforts usually take the form of an all-volunteer grassroots effort to get what you consider true legalization on the ballot. If your all-volunteer grassroots efforts succeed, it would be one of the few times in history such an effort has succeeded at legalizing anything, much less marijuana. Don't believe me. Believe the National Conference on State Legislatures, which writes, quote, Today, the vast majority of petition campaigns use paid circulators who are paid between $1 and $3 per signature. Very few campaigns attempt to qualify an initiative petition with volunteer circulators, and even fewer do so successfully. Paid drives, on the other hand, are much more successful. A campaign that has adequate funds to pay circulators has a nearly 100% chance of qualifying for the ballot in many states. End quote. So when you come at me in the comments with how terrible the tax and regulate legalization plan is compared to your true legalization, I can't even muster the interest to debate those points until you answer me these questions three. One, how well does your language poll? Two, how much money have you raised? Three, how many signatures have you gathered? 
I personally would like to see marijuana legalized for everyone 18 and older with no limits on personal possession or non-commercial plant counts and commercial regulations less onerous than those for beer. The problem is, I don't have a few million dollars, a few thousand signatures, and over 55% polling to make it actually happen. This isn't 1999, where no state in recent memory had tried to pass marijuana legalization. It's 2016, where marijuana legalization has been on the ballot statewide 13 times since 2000, and succeeded 5 times. Not one of those times was a grassroots volunteer effort. The blueprint exists now. You poll, you get money, you get signatures, you get on the ballot, and maybe you win. The closest of the 13 states to being a grassroots volunteer effort was Oregon 2012, which was backed by a guy who could throw a few hundred thousand dollars at it for professional signature gatherers in the last weeks to make the ballot, only for it to wither on the vine because he had no money left for the campaign. It was far closer to true legalization than anything offered to date. Age limit 21, unlimited personal possession and cultivation, marijuana businesses largely regulated by themselves. And while Colorado and Washington were celebrating being the first states to legalize marijuana with 10-point electoral victories in 2012, we in Oregon were left crying over our bongs with a 7-point loss. How did we get legalization two years later? Well, the grassroots guy who tried it in 2012 tried again in 2014 as well and got nowhere while New Approach Oregon wrote language that polled over 55%, hired professional campaigners and professional signature gatherers, had the money to run a campaign, and won with a 12-point victory, the greatest win margin to date for marketplace marijuana legalization. Yes, Washington, D.C. won by 40 points, but they don't have commercial marijuana. You clearly don't get that. And you live in a stoner fantasy world where weed wishes and fairy dust are going to get your true legalization on the ballot and magically compel over half the voters to make it law. The problem is that every person you manage to bamboozle with your fantasy of volunteer-led true legalization succeeding is someone not putting time, money, and effort into working on limited legalization that actually has the polling money and signatures necessary to win. Every person you manage to enrage into hating the professional legalization campaign is someone who is now doing the campaign work for the cops, prison guards, rehabs, drug testers, and pharmaceutical companies that want to keep marijuana illegal. The latest example of this is in Missouri, where New Approach Missouri has abandoned legalization for now in favor of working on a medical marijuana initiative that has a better chance of passing. You and your true legalization pals in the grassroots all-volunteer campaign are trying to tear them down and keep sick people in want of medicine for reasons I can't quite fathom. I don't support New Approach Missouri or any recent marijuana initiative because it's the legalization I want. I do so because it's the legalization I can get because it will actually make the ballot and has a chance of passing. Missouri requires 98,618 signatures for a statute. Now, you'll need 165,000. 
It requires 157,788 signatures for an amendment, and you'll need 260,000. You're trying your true legalization for the 2016 ballot, right? Well, your deadline is May 8th, so you have less than 16 weeks to accomplish that. In other words, assuming you have no signatures now, because I have no evidence you do, you need about 10,000 signatures a week to get a statute on the ballot and about 17,000 signatures a week for an amendment. Ah, now, this, this is the part where the if-only thinking comes in. If only 100 volunteers join us, and if only they collect 100 signatures per week, we'll make the ballot. You may even have a few volunteers that can actually produce 100 signatures for a week or two, but you won't find 100 of them consistently turning in 100 signatures every week. What you'll get is people eagerly volunteering and asking for sheets, who then get their friends and family to sign them, and then maybe spend a few hours in the weather gathering some stranger signatures, and then maybe some of them turn in two or three sheets of ten signatures each. You'll also have higher than average signature rejection rates at the Secretary of State's office because your volunteers will be folks who frequent the same places and know the same people, so you'll get duplicates that invalidate a whole sheet of signatures. In other words, you won't make the ballot. I think part of what motivates you is a paranoid fear of anything professional. If there's money involved, you reason, there's corruption and hidden agendas evolved. You've been so abused by the institutions of government and capital that you can't see mainstream professional legalization as anything but a trick to somehow benefit someone other than you while keeping you under some measure of oppression. However, the biggest motivator, I think, is that you're like me, and you know the truth about cannabis. You know it's an industrial marvel. You know that it's a miracle medicine. You know that it's the safest choice of recreational substance. Treating marijuana like alcohol reminds us of Timothy Leary's quote that women who seek to be equal with men lack ambition. Because marijuana ain't alcohol, and it shouldn't be treated so strictly. We will get the nation to agree with us, but only by incrementally succeeding at medical marijuana and marijuana legalization when and where we can. As legalization happens and the sky remains in place, more Americans will agree with us, and we will refine and improve legalization. But if we obstruct a reasonable legalization plan, and especially hand another Midwestern medical marijuana defeat to our opponents, remember, it's lost in South Dakota twice, it's lost in Arkansas, and is currently being uh, uh, rejected by the Arkansas Attorney General, then we get nowhere. Passing medical marijuana in the state of Missouri establishes a beachhead in this war on drugs. It finally brings medical marijuana to the South. To be able to deny the sick and disabled people of Missouri from accessing medical cannabis because you don't like the particulars of how the business is laid out or you think the limits are too much this or too much that... Go talk to the people in, in uh, Minnesota 
or New York who'd kill to have a medical marijuana law like this one. You can learn more at New Approach Missouri. Right now, that's all the time I got for Hour 1. Thanks for joining us. Hour 2 is next with our live calls. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tow. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Oh yeah, welcome back everybody. It's hour two, Toker Talk Radio, where we let down what's left of my hair, and there's not very much of that. <laughs> Have ourselves a good time here in beautiful legal Potland, Oregon, talking about weed, pot, ganja, herb, muggles, jive, tea, dank, sticky, icky, chronic. Uh, which one did I forget? Did I forget one? We ought to do that in the chat room. We ought to have a chat room battle. Uh, if you're not following our chat room, you can go to RadicalRust.com or CannabisRadio.com. On the live player there, there's a little like cartoon balloon thing. You click that, it opens up a separate window. You're in the chat room. Uh, I always thought it'd be fun if we had a chat room like a storm, like where we all typed in our favorite synonyms for weed to see who could come up with the one that was like least known. <laughs> I always pick the ones from like the early 20s, you know, muggles, jive, <laughs> that kind of stuff. That could be a lot of fun. But uh, get involved in our chat room out there. Uh, we got a lot of regulars that show up that are really well-informed people. So it's a great place to uh, make some networking happen, have some great conversations about cannabis. Got all sorts of stuff to talk about in this hour, too. Great piece out by Joel Warner on the International Business Times entitled Marijuana Has Become a Media Darling. But are journalists too soft on pot? Now, this echoes a concern that uh, we hear from Christine Tatum uh, out there in uh, 
you know, Crispy Tater out there in uh, Colorado, where she complains all the time that the media is not pointing out how weed is, you know, leads to violence and psychosis and stone mayhem on the freeway and all that kind of stuff, right? But, uh, you know, as usual, Warner does an extensive and, and pretty even-handed job uh, talking about it. So we'll discuss that right after our first break. Also coming up on the show, an extra bit of radical ranting. That's right. We're going to have a bonus radical rant in hour two. This is something I wrote up yesterday while I was on break for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, which is a very important holiday to me. And I hope it's an important holiday uh, to you out there. I think sometimes, especially us white folks, you have this idea that it's the black holiday or something like that. And nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, you look into the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. And especially as he was approaching you know, the, the Memphis, uh, sanitation strike and, and his, and his assassination, he was starting, he was pulling some pretty radical stuff, kind of, kind of stuff you hear from Bernie Sanders these days, uh, you know, talking very socialist about the need to, uh, protect our people and, and to fight the military industrial complex and oppose foreign entanglement. So we're going to talk about that in a piece that I call the arc of marijuana reform is long but it bends toward legalization. We'll get that uh, right about uh, 2025 20, after, after our 420 break, you know, our safety meeting. And then in our third segment today, I'm going to go off the warpath because I got a new piece published in Huffington Post on their politics blog. It's updated just an hour ago entitled Hillary's detractors are sexist. We need a woman president. And uh, I kind of examine how, there's a kind of, on the one hand, we can't criticize, we can't be sexist against Hillary Clinton, but on the other hand, we're supposed to support her being president because she's a woman. Uh, like sexism is sexism, whether it's positive or negative, isn't it? Right? You know, there's, there's all sorts of stereotypes you could say about, say, black fellas that are both, that are, some are positive, some are negative, but they're still stereotypes. They're still racist, right? Doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative, you're not supposed to judge people prejudge people based on these sorts of characteristics. So we're going to get into that. I'll talk about Hillary Clinton, my reaction to her debate performance against Bernie Sanders, who did a, a fantastic job pointing out how billionaires and Wall Street bankers never had to do any time, never got busted for anything, while kids who are using marijuana get locked up. All that's coming up, plus your calls at 971-533-7111. We're live on the Russ Bellville Show from beautiful legal potland, Oregon, right here on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. 
from high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks, Dan Michaels. And uh, it's nine after the hour, and we're looking at a piece in the International Business Times. It's entitled, Marijuana Has Become a Media Darling, But Are Journalists Too Soft on Pot? Written by Joel Warner, posted earlier today. Lengthy piece, but very well written. Joel's been doing some really good work on this issue. And it begins, and this is why it catches my attention, of course. It begins with mentioning my old pal, the Joker to my Batman, my one non-pot smoking friend, Kevin Sabet from Project Sam, the misnamed Smart Approaches to Marijuana, or as I like to call it, Project Samuel, Smart Approaches to Marijuana Use Except Legalization. And he's complaining in the opening paragraph, Sabet's complaining about how one of his press releases citing the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Agency didn't raise the alarms of the media. And what it is, is that uh, the state marijuana use estimates for 2013-2014 from SAMHSA showed that Colorado had risen to the nation's highest rate of monthly use of marijuana among teenagers, age 12 to 17. We'll count 12-year-olds as teenagers for this. And this was partly because marijuana use went up everywhere, (laughs) almost everywhere, but the youth marijuana use increased, and D.C., Oregon, and Washington came in fourth, fifth, and sixth, right? And so Sabet, he thought, oh, my God, here's the bombshell. Oh, boy. When they hear about this, see, we legalized pot. Look what's happening. The kids are smoking pot. Ah, my hair's on fire. That's what he thought was going to happen. Problem was, the day before, National Institutes of Health monitoring the future came out and found that nationwide teen use fell slightly. So he rushed out a press release and the media did not give two-tenths of a tick's turd. They they didn't give four-fifths of a flea's fart about this hair-on-fire news release from Kevin Sabet. So the question is asked, and Kevin Sabet presents this, after decades of critical reporting on marijuana issues, if they bothered to cover the subject at all, have the media as a whole moved too far in the opposite direction? Are reporters and editors now so high on the topic of cannabis that they're going too soft on the subject? So... They present a Google News analysis, and I'm, I'm assuming that uh, uh, Joel did this. 
We did a Google News analysis trying to figure out what got more press coverage, monitoring the future, which said, hey, nationwide use went down, and the SAMHSA piece that said, hey, Colorado went up, and it's number one now. And they found 10 times as many news articles, almost 10 times as many news articles on the positive story of marijuana use going down versus the marijuana use going up story. And so this is the question uh, that this this piece poses. And, and Joel does a great job here examining many different points of view on this. He gets another quote from uh, Jeffrey Zinsmeister, the, uh, the vice president of Project Sam, who says, quote, in fairness, there could be media fatigue on this. You have two stories on marijuana use surveys, and the first story gets all the coverage, and then people move on to the next thing. But uh, he says the nearly 10 times as many headlines is, quote, I was surprised to see such a large swing on this, end quote. And if you look at the uh, the Google News analysis, the one that said that there was 10 times as much mention, you also have to understand that the Google News mentions that you're going to get come from many different sources. And the sources for the uh, the Google News feed are going to include things like, you know, Washington Post, the New York Times, and so forth. But they may also include a lot of our marijuana sources that we are, uh, you know, the marijuana media, people like me. So this is not, you know, very good data, a very good data set, really, to make any conclusions about. If, you know, if the weed blog and High Times and all these other pro-marijuana sources are popping up with the same news story time after time, then... The one or two Washington Post mentions of the other story aren't going to balance that out. And one thing we do know for sure is that the pro-marijuana legalization movement wipes the floor with the anti-legalization movement online. They're just, it's, you know, it's already they're started on a, on a, a tilted playing field, given the fact that most people on the Internet tend to be younger, more educated, more liberal right? Just for socioeconomic reasons. They're already starting on a tilted playing field. But beyond that, living online like I do means you can't pull any of this reefer madness bullshit anymore. The age of Google kills reefer madness. Anything that Kevin Sibet wants to say about the, the, oh my gosh, SAMHSA says that there's a, you know, Colorado's number one. All anyone has to do is do a quick Google to find out that Colorado's always been close to number one. It's been number one at different times throughout the, uh, throughout the history of marijuana in this country. Colorado's always had a lot of marijuana use. These latest things don't tell us much about what's going on. The other thing that people can find out with a quick Google is that statisticians that were interviewed about this said that they're really wasn't that much of a difference in the numbers that statistically speaking, it really didn't make much difference in uh, the use rates of 12 to 17 year olds. So this is something that uh, is examined in this piece. And I, like I said, I think he did a really good job with this. Also interviewed in the piece, uh, my former boss, Alan St. Pierre of normal uh, says that in the ni- 1980s, there was about 150 newspapers whose editorial boards were opposed to legalization. Now it's down to just 30 or 40. And even that may be a skewed statistic because there just may be fewer editorial boards now. Uh, Newspapers are kind of dying. 
But we, like I said, we are just mopping the floor the on in the online sphere when it comes to marijuana legalization. Whenever you see an online poll on any news paper, you know, news site, whether it be national like MSNBC or Fox or low, you know, a, a newspaper like the times or the wall street journal, or even your local TV news website, when there is a poll about marijuana legalization or medical marijuana, we dominate those polls. Absolutely dominate those polls. Now, Another consideration, and Taylor West from the NCIA brings this up, would be Occam's Razor. Occam's Razor just says, given many solutions the or many explanations to a situation, the simplest one is most likely the correct one. And she says, quote, I would contend that if Project Sam is seeing more coverage of the positive aspects of legalization, it's because the positive aspects of legalization are outweighing the negative. There are absolutely things that need to be looked at and fixed, and that's an ongoing process. But all of this sky-is-falling rhetoric that people like them have used for years hasn't come true, end quote. And that's the other, that's another point to be made here, is uh, the Google gives us the opportunity to go back and look at the statements from guys like Kevin Sabet and judge their predictive qualities. For example, you can go back to the early rhetoric of Project Sam from 2012 when they kept hammering at the point that marijuana legalization for its tax revenues was never going to work. Taxing marijuana was never, it was a false dream, it's a pipe dream, it's pie-in-the-sky thinking because alcohol and tobacco only take in one-tenth the tax revenue that they cost us in social costs. For every one dollar we bring in in alcohol and tobacco taxes. Society suffers $10 in social costs, and there's no reason to think marijuana would be any different. Go back and Google that stuff. I call it the Sabbat conjecture. If you Google Sabbat conjecture, you'll find all sorts of quotes on this. Haven't heard much of that lately, have you? Haven't heard Kevin Sabet bring that up very often lately, have you? Why? Well, because Washington and Colorado have raised $200 million in tax revenues. Which begs the question, where's the $2 billion in social costs? Where's the $2 billion in so Hell, where's the $200 million in social costs? Let's not even consider the savings from law enforcement for all the charges for marijuana dropping by 80% in Colorado and 66% in Washington. Don't even consider that. Let's make that a wash. Just let's suppose it's an absolute break even, but there's $200 million in social costs for the $200 million in taxes we've taken in. You can't even show that much less 2 billion, right? So the Google gives us the power to go back and look at what people said and, and were their predictions right? And Project Sam's predictions have been wrong. On the other hand, our predictions have been largely right. We said you legalize marijuana, it's not really going to change much as far as the kids' use because kids that want to use are using. Kids that want to use are using that mon- monitoring the future survey. One of the headlines that, you know, Kevin Sabet's complaining that the media didn't pick up is, is picking up too much of the good news for monitoring the future. My complaint is the media didn't pick up enough of the good news from monitoring the future. While some people were pointing out that we had the 
highest uh, uh, rates of use in Colorado among teenagers, they're not pointing that out that in monitoring the future, we saw for the first time in 40 years of asking high school seniors, how easy would it be for you to get a hold of some marijuana? For the first time in 40 years, we had fewer than 80% say that it was easy or fairly easy to get a hold of. That's why we had always said it's not going to change much for the kids. They've always had their access. They've always said between 80 and 91% have said it's easy or fairly easy to get a hold of marijuana. So our predictions are coming true. Their predictions are proven false. And that's why the media is on our side now, because we have fact, science, reason, logic, compassion, evidence, truth, and love on our side. Get a life, will you, people? I mean, for crying out loud, it's, it's just a TV show. It's not just a TV show, Mr. Shatner. <laughs> it's Star Trek, for God's sake. Hey, happy 420, everybody, from the Pacific Time Zone. Ha- hope you're having a good day. We've got the strong silicone bong here, and believe it or not, a bud I found when I was cleaning up the office to pack. I, I thought I was out of, of herb, and I-, I found some. Ah, Oregon problems. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber Vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. The Russ Belleville Show where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Travel news. I'm headed to Boise, Idaho. A week from today, I'll be participating in a marijuana town hall with Idaho State Police, the Idaho Drug Czar, a Boise State criminal justice professor, a LEAP speaker, and former Representative Tom Trail, who tried to pass industrial hemp in the Gem State. That's going on next Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. I'll try to stream it live on CannabisRadio.com if possible. Otherwise, it'll be on my Periscope. Also, lots of travel coming up 
in February. Check out my schedule on RadicalRust.com to find out where and when I will be. We'll get that posted very soon. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. The arc of marijuana reform is long, but it bends toward legalization. On yesterday's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I found myself contemplating how long it will take for us to fully establish marijuana legalization in America. Speaking on March 25, 1965, in Montgomery, Alabama, about the struggle for black civil rights, Dr. King answered, quote, How long? Not long, because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice, end quote. It was 103 years between the Emancipation Proclamation and Dr. King's speech. It was 95 years between the 15th Amendment and Dr. King's speech. It was four and a half months later that the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was signed into law, and another 43 years before the election of Barack Obama as president. Indeed, it was 146 years between emancipation and the first black president, and that's a long moral arc. Much happened in the intervening 146 years to lead up to Obama's election. The South endured a bitter period of Reconstruction. The KKK was formed, and vigilante vigilante lynchings of blacks happened twice a week from 1880 to 1930, and continued to as late as my birth year of 1968, or even 1998 if dragging James Byrd to death with a pickup truck in Texas is counted as a lynching. Football, baseball, and the military were integrated shortly after World War II. Schools were integrated, and Rosa Parks and the bus boycotts began in the 1950s. Then comes Dr. King and the Birmingham Jail, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and I Have a Dream. In other words, civil rights for African Americans developed incrementally over time through many personal and political battles. Dr. King pressed for every advance possible But he understood that he lived in a nation of white supremacy and had to work within the political structures of his time. While Dr. King spoke on the National Mall in 1963 of, quote, the fierce urgency of now, end quote, and warned of embracing the, quote, tranquilizing drug of gradualism, end quote, he was never deluded enough to think he could run for president in 1964 and win and thereby enact his civil rights agenda. He knew he had to pressure President Johnson and the white majority for the civil rights victories that were possible in 1965. Dr. King, while believing that a colorblind society was the ultimate goal, knew that it would take many compounding lesser successes to achieve it. On the day before his assassination in 1968, he explained how he had, quote, seen the promised land, end quote, but that he, quote, may not get there with you. End quote. Today, the promised land for our community of cannabis consumers 
is the day when marijuana is as legal and accepted as alcohol, when a bud is as non-controversial as a bud light. However, we don't get to that mountaintop to see the promised land without our emancipation, decrim, integration, medical marijuana, and our Voting Rights Act, limited legalization. Which is why I get so incensed at what I call the stoners against legalization. Those pot smokers who want to jump right from slavery to Barack Obama. And in doing so, forego the victories we can win and enable the prohibition status quo to continue. Yesterday I was alerted to a blog in Missouri that is dead set against legalizing medical marijuana in the show-me state. No, it's not the website of the state police. Not the website of the local drug rehab. Not some megachurch. It's another example of the stoners against legalization cancer that has metastasized. What used to be limited to stoners and medical marijuana states fighting legalization to protect their status quo has become stoners in prohibition states fighting medical marijuana for a mirage of true legalization. It's a very long, meandering, and poorly written read, but the gist of it is that the medical marijuana proposal from New Approach Missouri, Show Me Cannabis, and Missouri Normal is a wolf in sheep's clothing designed to enrich its backers, designed to enrich Big Pharma, designed to enrich the Prohibition profiteers, designed to enrich the state. It's laden with onerous and arbitrary rules and regulations stamped forever into the Constitution and only detracts from the all-volunteer, no-money, no-polling, true legalization that would treat marijuana like tomatoes. This is a trend that's held true since California's Prop 19 in 2010 and throughout every campaign to legalize marijuana, but this is the first time I've seen it in effect for medical marijuana. There will never be a legalization or medical marijuana plan that could make the ballot and pass that will satisfy these stoners against legalization. There will always be some doom and gloom scenario that they'll come up with where creating some measure of protection for cannabis consumers in the future is worse than the kick in the doors and shoot the dogs prohibition they suffer from now. How can anyone take seriously an analysis that presumes, quote, the Department of Health and Human Services could potentially declare the penalty for having one single plant too many in a growing facility is $8 trillion. Really? $8 trillion. Well, why don't they just declare that the penalty is $10 quadrillion and bamboo shoots under the fingernails and imprisonment in a cell surrounded by a moat guarded with sharks with friggin' lasers on their head? Jesus, the source of this infection is the deluded belief that marijuana should be treated like tomatoes. It's that hippy-dippy, pie-in-the-sky, healing-of-the-nations fantasy that marijuana is perfect and all good and everybody else thinks of it that way. Instead of the cold, hard facts that even tax and regulate legalization doesn't poll above 50% in Missouri much less this treat-it-like-tomatoes legalization that literally has no age limits in it. It would forbid the state from making age limits for cannabis <clears throat> that would go down in flames from the minute of the first attack ad. It'd come on with the scary music proclaiming 
New Approach Missouri wants to let your neighbor fill his backyard with stinky pot plants and pack his garage with drug dealer amounts of marijuana. Their proponents seriously think marijuana, a mind-altering drug that impairs the development of children's brains, is like the tomatoes you grow in your backyard. And of course, (laughs) no infection of the stoners against legalization delusion would be complete without the attendant normal supports prohibition delusion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Guys like Dan Veets, normal board member, head of Missouri Normal, a winner of the Martin Luther King Association's Keeping the Dream Alive Award, a guy who's worked tirelessly over 40 years for legalization for less money than most attorneys make. Yeah, he's secretly carving out a Goldman Sachs-like fortune by ending police harassment of medical marijuana patients and providing them safe access to medicine. Yeah, that's the ticket. You know, just like how Greenpeace supports whale killing. Like how the NAACP supports black voter suppression and how the ASPCA supports animal cruelty. Because you know, if any of those things were eliminated, those organizations, well, they why, they'd lose a lot of money. What's most pathetic about this is that finally, and ahead of most predictions, Missouri has the organization, funding, and language that could actually bring medicine to sick patients. But the stoners against legalization would work with the cops, courts, rehabs, drug testers, and prison guards to maintain the status quo of prohibition. Without having anything else to offer to defeat prohibition except empty promises of all volunteer signature efforts for treat it like tomatoes, quote, true 100% non-prohibitionist legalization of this amazing non-toxic miracle plant, end quote, that will never make the ballot and would go down in flames if it did. Now, some of this is just jealousy. These people who so truly believe in marijuana really do want it legalized, and they're upset that they can't get any support from successful organizations and deep-pocketed funders. They can't accept that perhaps their failing strategy and tactics are the reasons why. So it must be some sort of elaborate conspiracy theory. You can see it in the, uh, why doesn't normal support our true legalization plan? Whales. <laughs> they really think the only thing keeping them from electoral victory is that money and support. Ignoring entirely that their plan for legalization doesn't poll well and would lose in a landslide. These are the types of people who would have told their fellow slaves that the Emancipation Proclamation is bullshit because it isn't true 100% non-slavery emancipation. It doesn't guarantee voting rights, interracial marriage, and sitting anywhere on the bus or stagecoach, I suppose, immediately. That Abraham Lincoln, he's just a slavery profiteer, they'd proclaim. If he really supported black equality, he'd support true emancipation, that contains the Voting Rights Act, Loving v. Virginia, and Rosa Parks, all in 1862. They'd have mustered all the fellow slaves they could to fight for the Confederacy, promising that once the Civil War was over, they and their fellow slaves would convince all the white folks and plantation owners to sign their true emancipation petition. We all long for the day when we experience true legalization of cannabis. But we don't get there by denying the patients of Missouri the freedom to use medical marijuana. 
every state that has legalized marijuana so far has legalized medical marijuana first, and the one prohibition state that tried to go straight to legalization suffered the worst defeat for legalization in the 21st century. It's my radical rant. Extra radical rant for you. And if you'd like the uh, transcript of that, you can find it at MarijuanaPolitics.com. My radical rant from hour one is available at HighTimes.com today. So check those out. We've got a piece on marijuana politics almost every day and a piece on High Times twice a week. Also occasional writing for CannabisCulture.com when I'm feeling Canadian. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going off the warpath. I'm going to talk a little bit about Hillary Clinton and sexism in politics. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. I'm Radical Russ, live in Potland, Oregon. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E in tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. Thanks, Dan Michaels. 39 after the hour, 21 minutes away from 5 o'clock, where you'll get a chance. Uh, no, wait. Stoner Jesus isn't on today, so never mind. It's Tuesday. I'm all thrown off because it's my first day back, and usually that's Monday, and that means Stoner Jesus, so 
Apologies. You'll catch Stoner Jesus tomorrow, Wednesday, 5 o'clock Pacific Time, right here on CannabisRadio.com. Also, I just uploaded uh, past interviews, drug war data mines, behind the headlines, uh, and radical rants from November, December, and January into my SoundCloud account at Radical Russ on SoundCloud. And my apologies to my Twitter followers out at Radical Russ because you got about like 60 or 70 <laughs> tweets as I uploaded those files. My bad. I, I thought those tweets were going out through the RB show uh, 420 Twitter account. And so uh, I, I didn't mean to spam you. I, I feel bad about that. That's awful. But uh, those clips are up there. So if you missed any of the interviews from the past, you can get them there. For complete shows, however, the only place you can get them is CannabisRadio.com. Exclusive podcast from CannabisRadio.com. So uh, my apologies to folks out on SoundCloud. It's like, where's your where's your podcast? Where's your whole show? Sorry, you have to listen to it clip, a clip at a time on delay. So that's just the nature of um, moving on up and trying to make some money at this. That's to be honest, to be frank about it. <laughs> um, also, uh, RadicalRust.com, my website will be undergoing some changes, some upgrades, some fixes. I'm going to be moving my VIP uh, accounts uh, from 420 Radio over to uh, the Russ Belleville show. And that's going to take some coding and some fixing. And what am I going to offer you that uh, isn't uh, available to the free listeners and all of that? So in addition to that, I'm trying to move out of this house, which I have to be out of in 12 days. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, it's getting uh, it's getting pretty hectic here at uh, Rolla J Studios. So. We're heading out on the road. Um, in addition to being in Boise next Tuesday, I will be, I may be at two conferences here in Portland in the first week of February, Monday through Thursday. There's one called the uh, Dispensary Next Conference on Monday and Tuesday. There's another one called Cannabis Collaborative Conference on Wednesday and Thursday. Then Friday and Saturday and Sunday, headed down to San Bernadubi for the High Times Cannabis Cup that's happening down there. And cross your fingers, I might be representing the Sean Parker Adult Use of Marijuana Act on a panel because they need someone to talk to the base, and apparently I'm the one who can handle the booze and the fruit being thrown at me and stuff. So <laughs> so I may be out there uh, debating or representing or whatever it might be. Then the following weekend, uh, February 13th and 14th, Valentine's weekend, once again, in San Francisco, California, is the International Cannabis Business Conference, one of my favorite conferences. Check out internationalcbc.com if you want to go. They've got retired Surgeon General of the United States of America, Dr. Joycelyn Elders, is the uh, keynote speaker. Joycelyn Elders, of course, uh, famous for having advocating uh, masturbation as a... Uh, family you know for teenagers right that we should teach kids more about masturbation everyone oh my god she said the m word you know it was the 90s everybody freaked the fuck out <laughs> like okay come on man like like really do we need to promote masturbation to teenagers any more than they already know about it i mean <laughs> i don't know about you i was pretty well informed by the time i hit about 13 or 14 <laughs> pretty pretty well informed on the topic don't know how much the government talking to me about it might have made any difference but um Anyway, Dr. Elder's, of course, big supporter of medical marijuana as well. So she'll be presenting at internationalcbc.com. You can also uh, 
hear from Andrew Sullivan from the Daily Dish, a well-respected conservative gay blogger. And uh, who else is going to be there? Oh, Tommy Chong. Yes, Tommy Chong will be at the International CBC. Steve Bloom from Sleb Stoner will be doing an onstage interview. That should be a lot of fun. The following weekend, the 20th and 21st, actually it's the 20th, 21st, 22nd, is Canacon in Seattle, Washington. And CannabisRadio.com is the official station of Canacon, and we are hosting the uh, VIP party. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be giving you all the coverage we can from there. And then the last weekend of this month of February, headed back down to Dallas, Fort Worth, for the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, and to fill in some more cities on my back tattoo. We got to put in Anchorage, Richmond, Columbus, and we got to add a little Jamaican flag. So good times coming up in February. Lots of travel for the Rest Belleville show, and we'll be uh, streaming live to you from all sorts of places. So make sure you're following us. All right. I wanted to get to a little bit of, uh, I guess it's radical ranting. It's really more off the warpath stuff. And that is Hillary Clinton. Because I was, uh, you know, you already know I'm a huge Bernie supporter. That's pretty obvious, right? And I'm also very anti-Hillary Clinton. I I have uh, got lots of problems. You hear some of them here with Hillary Clinton. But uh, uh, I was, I watched the debate on Sunday, had it on the DVR, and I thought Bernie did a fantastic job uh, highlighting her ties to Wall Street, highlighting her ties to the big health insurance industry, big pharma, you know, how, you know, it, it's more of the same if we elect Hillary Clinton, right? So in response to that, in, in, in the wake of that, I was looking up, you know, online what people were saying and writing. And so I found this blog on Huffington Post written by Lorraine Devon Wilkie, uh, and it's entitled, You Say You Want a Revolution, I Do Too, It's Why I Support Hillary Clinton. And in this blog, I found this prime example of cognitive dissonance that I find among a lot of Hillary Clinton supporters. Here's, let me just give you a couple of paragraphs from her piece. She says, she opens with, Culture is a wily beast, so difficult to manage, so impossible to predict. Yet it is exactly who and what we need to attend to, to honor at this pivotal moment in our civic evolution. And culture, society, our trajectory as a nation demands that we expand our thinking to embrace a different paradigm of leadership to elect a female president of the United States. And then further along in the piece, there's a paragraph that reads, Considering her impressive resume, decades of service, and the respect she's garnered around the world, it's stunning to note the sheer volume of irrational, disproportionate, and sexist negativity that comes her way, an onslaught that she remarkably endures and transcends. Well, for me, for you to be able to, like, complain simultaneously about sexist smears of Hillary Clinton and introduce support of her as our culture demands a female leader is remarkable. I don't abide the sexism that hounds Hillary Clinton's candidacy, negative or positive. My opposition to Hillary Clinton has nothing to do with her chromosomes, her genitalia, her hairstyle, and her choice of clothing, nor should anyone's support of her be based on those features. My opposition is achieved by listing all the issues I care about and matching up where the candidates and I disagree. On some of my most key issues, Hillary Clinton is indistinguishable from a long-fabled-to-exist moderate Republican. 
Or she's just recently come around to my position after Bernie Sanders has forced her to tack to the left. Specifically, my top 10 issues in no particular order where she loses my support, as do most Republicans. Number one, foreign policy. Well, Hillary supports regime change in every instance. Uh, Libya, Saddam. She voted for the Iraq war. And seriously, anybody who could be fooled into trusting George W. Bush loses my vote right there. Number two, privacy. Well, she voted twice for the USA Patriot Act. Bernie voted against it. Banking. Well, come on. She's owned by Wall Street. She, ex- she opposes a new Glass-Steagall law. She wouldn't break up the too-big-to-fail banks. And she'd probably keep Goldman Sachs involved in the Treasury. Labor. Huh. Well, she supports every free trade agreement from NAFTA to the recent TPP, except now she pretends that she doesn't support Trans-Pacific Partnership because, again, Bernie has pulled her to the left. The death penalty. She supports the death penalty despite hundreds of documented death row exonerations. Healthcare. She wants to keep the private insurers and big pharma in business, but maybe with slightly lower profits. Education. She wants something called debt-free tuition, which still sounds to me like not free education. Gay marriage rights. Oh, she's all for it. Now... When it's a fait accompli, not when she could have helped, she was anti-gay marriage as recently as 2013 with her whole uh, one man, one woman, leave it to the state stand. Number nine, corrupt politics. Well, come on. She's a current beneficiary of the corrupt political finance system. She's got an eight-figure net worth. She's been doing all those Clinton Foundation sweetheart arms deals where the Countries that donated to Clinton Foundation somehow ended up with better arms deals when she was Secretary of State. And, of course, criminal justice, marijuana legalization. Well, she has taken uh, lots of uh, money from private prison corporations in the campaign. And as far as marijuana goes, she'd continue Obama's, you know, this federal prohibition, but look the other way, this, this stall tactic where they, they don't want to have to do anything. They're just going to wait until it happens. And and when it comes to medical marijuana, she says she might reschedule medical marijuana. She might take it out of the whole heroin LSD schedule one category and move it to the cocaine methamphetamine schedule two category, or maybe to the anabolic steroids ambient schedule three category. In other words, She'd keep it where it still requires doctors and prescriptions and health insurance and pharmaceutical companies. Then, add to all that the numerous instances where she's displayed less than stellar character and integrity. I mean, FBI investigations into her email, keeping a separate private server, shady dealings at Secretary of State through the Clinton Foundation, that time she survived sniper fire in Bosnia, remember that one? And why is it, why is it that Brian Williams had to lose his job for telling tall tales of war to advance his career, but Hillary gets to say she misspoke? Yeah, there there needs to be a radical revolution, all right, but there's nothing radical about electing a female leader. Most advanced countries have done so repeatedly. 
Electing Hillary Clinton, now it would be a symbolic advance for female equality in America, but at the cost of further cementing this third-way pro-corporate Clinton Democrat dynasty hold over what's supposed to be the party in opposition to the excesses of big business. Hell, Hillary Clinton won't even commit to supporting the Equal Rights Amendment. (sighs) Of course, in this last debate, her latest strategy is to present herself as the grown-up who recognizes that dreams can't really come true. You have to be pragmatic and practical, and you have to you have to bargain with billionaires for what scraps you can scrounge together that don't upset too many of the shareholders. But even by that measure, Hillary isn't the Democratic candidate with the most potential to enact real change. It's Bernie. An elected Hillary isn't going to beat the Republicans by much, if at all. For example, Rubio kicks her ass in most polls. Nobody's going to motivate more GOP turnout than Hillary. They hate her that much. And the progressive base? (laughs) We're not going to turn out for the corporate Democrat who's currently shitting on Bernie Sanders as a pro-NRA gun nut who wants to repeal Obamacare. Oh, and by the way, Hillary, your attacks on uh, Bernie about his gun stance, let me tell you something. As a liberal who was raised in Idaho, I can tell you that uh, Bernie's stance on guns is going to play a whole lot better with Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania hunters and gun enthusiasts than any of your rhetoric. With no electoral mandate, projecting more of the same like Obama and a Republican House and maybe a Republican Senate, the next four or eight years of Hillary versus the GOP Congress, that gridlock's going to make Obama's terms with Congress look functional. Oh, Bernie, though, an elected Bernie Sanders would crush the Republican nominee. And don't give me that, well, America won't vote for a socialist line. America, twice by large margins, voted for a black socialist Kenyan Muslim with the middle name Hussein. Remember? And GOP voters won't be as motivated to countervote against him, and some moderates may even defect to him to prevent a Trump or a Cruz. Progressive enthusiasm drives turnout, and down-ticket Democrats will benefit. President Bernie maybe ends up with a Democratic Senate. And maybe a smaller GOP House majority. And an electoral mandate for radical change. As I once said, it's the rigged system, stupid. And only Bernie Sanders wants to take on that rigged system. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and wind things up here in Toker Talk Radio on the Russ Belville Show, live from Potland, Oregon. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that too. Okay. Maybe you're high too. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. Ar, ar, ar. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 57 after the hour. And a quick note about what's happening here in Oregon. The news has broken of uh, two lawsuits against a man who is called the architect or the mastermind of Oregon legalization, Travis Maurer. And uh, I got a you know, one of the lawsuits is, you know, full disclosure, a fellow board member of mine on Portland Normal suing for, uh, what is it, $700,000 for business deal gone bad. And uh, slander uh, for calling him a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, it's getting pretty serious here. And the other w- lawsuit is the guys that run the weed blog uh, suing him for financial misappropriations and fraud and all that kind of stuff. Well, naturally, I'm getting dragged into this. And I got a, a call today uh, from a reporter from our local weekly, Willamette Week, asking if uh, if these lawsuits now are going to create divisions that would impede the progress of legalization in Oregon. I just laughed. I said, look, uh, marijuana legalization in Oregon has always been divided. (laughs) The fact that we passed legalization despite all our divisions means that I'm not too worried about this latest division because we got the people already on board with legalization, the issue, and whether or not somebody involved with it has some sort of, you know, skeletons in their closet or nefarious activities going on does not invalidate the 12-point victory we notched in 2014 for the support of marijuana legalization. He also wanted to know what we were up to with Portland Normal, what we're fighting for. I think the number one thing we're fighting for is public-use venues. 
a place where we can smoke pot. What good is a right if you're a tourist or a resident of public housing or someone renting from a anti-pot landlord? What good is your right to possess marijuana if you can't smoke it anywhere? That's like the 15th Amendment giving black people the right to vote and then the southern states passing poll taxes and literacy tests to make sure they couldn't. We'll see if that quote makes the, the uh, newspaper. I kind of like that one. <laughs> but that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back all the rest of this week with brand new shows. We got our Hemp Day Hump Day with Doug Fine coming up tomorrow. Learn the latest about industrial hemp in America and around the world. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Roller J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it.